Thank you for joining us. This is episode 36 of Amateur 3D Podcast, a podcast by amateur printers for amateur printers, where we share our thoughts and experience. Our panelists this week are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Andy Cottom, Kevin Buckner, and Chris Weber. We burned an hour talking about everything before this podcast, yeah? Are we going to have yeah, anything for like, the podcast? Well, almost actually, like we're we didn't, yeah, we will. Of this or something. We didn't we talk will. about our printers much, so, you know. And it's... Oh. Talking. We're getting better at sticking away from the printer subject before the podcast. That's a good thing. <laughs> right, right. And, and spending an hour talking about everything else before we actually get going is nothing new. In fact, I think an hour is kind of short for us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, well, it's actually pretty par for the course. I think the idea of trying to record earlier in the day so that we have time later kind of plays into my trying this new idea of not burning more time than we have to before the podcast. So, Hey, this is my equi new equivalent of 7 a.m. So, you know, I'm perfectly on board for this. 11 o'clock is your equivalent of 7? Wow. Actually, that tracks. Never mind. That that's tracks. When I get, yep, that's when I get up <laughs> during the week for, for my job now. So That works. Have you done anything during the week on your printer there, Chris? Uh, yes, actually. So you guys know I pr I printed the uh, the Joy-Con grips, right? So there's actually a couple different kinds. There's the kind where you can print that that's a, a wheel shaped for Mario Kart for the people that want to use the um, actual steering mechanism in the yeah um, the, the built into the Joy-Con the yeah the the little level thing the that, movement you, the movement yeah sensors so. You know, you can now actually move your controller and the car does go that way as opposed to, you know, the old Nintendos where you'd move the controller and if you pushed harder, it did it faster or better or something. That's actually a thing on the new on the on the switch. Actually, so, they did it with the Wii, too. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I've I've so there's that kind of Joy-Con grip, the, the wheel. Then there's the one that, you know, is is one of one of the half Joy-Cons with, you know, two two places for you to put your palms so that you can use both hands on half a controller. And like then a regular the controller grip? Sort of. Because then there's the regular one where you can put two Joy-Cons in and okay, yeah. have the full controller. And then there's uh, these, these grips that I just printed out this week are so that you can clip, clip them onto the side of the switch and, you know, take the switch around with you and actually have a place for your palms to go. Or, you know, you can grab it and it cups your palm, palms cup right around the grips um, instead of just grabbing this flat, um, instead of just gr holding onto this flat uh, switch. Right? right. So we can take the take the the <clears throat> the switch around portably and still not cramp up your palms because you're holding a flat thing trying to. You know, that that's it. only one inch by three inches, and you have to interlock your fingers so that you have the right range on the buttons. And well, all the the, the switch stuff. is about the si same size as a as a as a tablet. Right? The, the so sing I mean, for the single controller though. Oh, so imagine your tablet with the two controllers connected on the sides of it, and that those are the kind of grips I printed. Is grips that go onto the oh. switch while it's while it while you're playing it portably. Gotcha. So these, so these grips just kind of clip onto the side of that. So that's that actually kind of cool. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. I like that idea. So, 
yeah, so I, I, I printed up a set for my uh, my stepmother, who really likes to play Stardew Valley. and um, Stardew uh, Valley? You mean Starlight Valley? The Disney no. one? No. What's the game anyway. again? Stardew Valley. Is it Disney? No. Okay. Proceed. <laughs> yes. I derailed Chris. Anyways. That's and, my revenge. So I, 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 you, I printed up a, I printed I up a, you. yeah. So, and, and I'm, uh, I printed up a set for the child too. They actually were pretty easy to do. And the, uh, the supports that printed off came off real, real easy, real nice, cleaned up real, real, really easy. It was pretty good. Um, and then, so because of COVID, it has made our family much more aware of, you know, where germs exist and happen and things. So we're throwing a little birthday thing this weekend for a couple of my in-laws have birthdays in May. And then my child had her birthday a couple of weeks ago. So we're doing all the family thing for them today. And so um, instead of a cake, like we still, we still have cake. We still serve cake. But instead of them blowing candles on the cake and getting their spitty breath all over the whole cake that everybody's going to share, um, we have a a, a p- painted covered piece of foam that you put the candles in, light the candles, whatever. And um, I had to print a little card holder to hold this nice Pokemon uh, display card for the for the not cake. Okay. So. Yeah, so I printed that up just last night because the the wife was going, okay, I want to put this on on the cakes in some in you know on this in in some way shape or form, but I I don't know how to do this. And I says, well, I'll, I'll just get you a card holder. And she's like, what? And I said, yeah, sure, take me ten minutes. It actually took ten minutes to print. And <laughs> boom. She she was she she was taken aback and going, okay, again. <laughs> she still doesn't think in portals. Yep. She's, she's, she's like, this thing is invaluable. You just have to, you, you just have to think about using it when you're in one of these odd situations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my week. Cool. Uh, Andy, Andy, <laughs> me. Thanks. <laughs> have, have you done anything this week? <clears throat> nah, my wife gave my dryer a flat tire. And so I lost my table for my printer. And so I haven't been printing anything this week. Um, I uh, do got a project I do need to do this weekend here. The, um, the new pumps that I put in for my fish tank dump a little bit of heat. They're 50 watts when they're running. And since it's an all casted, cast iron pump, it transfers mm-hmm. that heat to the water. And I haven't really noticed the duty cycle on the heater in my tank a whole lot. I think before the pump, it might have been oh, seven or eight times a day. It would kick on and raise the temperature by one degree. And uh, since it's been getting a little bit warmer and things like that, this little bit of extra heat that the pump is pumping into my tank has made it so that my tank is overheating a little bit. It's getting to the point where the heater only runs at night, but during the day, It'll get two or three degrees above where it should be. And, mm. you know, overheating for fish can be really, really bad. Yeah, so, that's dangerous. So yeah, you want to put so, in a, maybe a, a radiator? Well, no. I mean, there's a lot of really nice complicated ways to do it. I would love to have an excuse to go, like, buy a uh, 
mini fridge so I can yank the compressor out of it and build an old refrigeration alcohol unit to pump, you know, a loop of alcohol through the tank to cool it down. That would be a fun project, but That's super it's all over. I keep on looking for a reason to use a compressor pump. I want to. I tried to do it with my water cooling system on my printer, and I just don't need it there. I've got a problem here, but that's overkill here. So I'm still looking for a project to use a compressor on. But uh, for this one here, taking off the lid off my tank is enough to cool it down. So what I'm going to do is just take a and make a housing for a PC fan that can just blow onto the top of the water um, during the summertime. That way, it, you know, only uses either five or twelve volts. We'll see which one works best, oh, and then it'll easy. keep it cool enough. I'm sure. If okay, you were to please. have. Excuse me. If you were to have the exhaust from the pump and go out and go through, say, a copper coil or something, and then back into the tank, that would probably cause it to cool off. It would. But here's one problem that you really got to consider when it comes to fish tanks is anything that water touches corrodes badly. So no. it would be a clean so you don't want issue. copper. You don't want copper because it'll oxidize yeah. real quick. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to have a. You'd have to have a pre pre-lined or something and that just doesn't happen with ra copper radiators although well, i guess you could use, you could use uh, whatever your plastic uh, is for the tubing whatever plastic tubing you're using on it anyway just have it go through like a, a heat exchanger coil and exchange the, the, the temperature with ambient air yeah i mean there's a lot of neat ways you could have done it if i was to run the fish tank water through something to cool it down I think doing it through a straight pipe, a straight copper pipe, where you just connect the tubes to both ends, and mm -hmm. then cooling down that section of copper would work much better because it'd be easy to clean. But you're adding quite a bit to the filtration system of the of the tank. And where I've added this additional pump and all this other kind of stuff, I don't want to make it too complicated. However, yeah. the amount of pressure this pump can suck out of this canister compresses my filters i've never seen anything like that and i've never <laughs> I, I looked it up and i don't think there's any problems to it but my my filter tank is is like 14 inches tall and when it starts to get clogged up the filter medium on the inside will push down <laughs> until it's all void on the top and then that first filter is just corroded with garbage and that's sucking everything down and compressing all the filter media so uh that that's that's interesting that's a whole other thing too i'm I'm thinking one of the things I might want to try is um, making it, you know, a lot of filters out there use a, a V shape in the filter media. So you get more surface area. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and for the, the first filter I use um, uh, stuffing uh, fiber for like uh, uh, pillows and blankets and things. Okay. Uh, and uh, so that way it's just cheap and I can throw it out. But uh, I, I'm thinking about making a, a baffle that has that zigzag shape to it that the media will then form to to give me more surface area so it doesn't clog up so much because right now i gotta i gotta pull out the and clean the filters like every two weeks and that's quite mm. a bit even if well, it's just opening up the filter throwing out the old one and then putting in a new one and then closing it back up you know so it's not too hard but every two weeks is kind of a lot It'd be what nice about buying, less. what about buying a furnace filter and just cutting up bits of that uh, that would be more difficult for what I'm doing here. I mean, the the filter material I've got is just a bag that looks almost like a pillow of, of just stuffing. And yeah. so I just grab some of this out and then stick it in the filter 
when and then close it back up. So it's already really super simple. Oh, okay. and the the pump holds back the water. If I open up the filter container, the pump will hold back the water, and I got a valve to shut off of it from one side. So it stays completely primed and everything when I disconnect the pressure from it. So it's usually not too big of an issue, but still, it's frequent. And the amount of mm. suction that the pump has, my tubing is doesn't seem to be getting dirty, which is kind of cool because that's the hard thing to clean out is the tubing. Yeah, so right. it's making it a lot easier. And uh, my my tank does look particulate in the water does never seem to be an issue on a fish tank because it settles out but particulate is like completely absent in my tank and so the filter's doing a really good job there it's kind of nice <laughs> but out fish. of all those situations with the heat i think doing the fan is the simplest most least complex way to just cool the water down a little bit so yeah keep it simple that. sucker yeah <laughs> But yeah, uh, and you know, using an old PC fan, there's actually, if you don't even want to try to design something yourself, haha, Andy, you're going to anyway. <laughs> but, uh, there's actually lots of stuff on Thingiverse for just converting a fan, you know, for for, yeah. for, 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 for making it, just straight up printing a housing to convert your old PC fan. I know because I did one of those for the child last yeah. summer. So yeah. You, you can see my lid here has got a cutout in the back for the filter, for the filter that I don't use anymore, and then a hole for feeding. And so it's got two big holes in my lid, and I think I'll be able to just make a, a fan that can stand off from the back of the tank that blows in one hole and just lets it come out the other. I think that's all it would really need. Oh, it doesn't need to be too yeah. complex. You, you, I've got a bunch of... Same, yeah, just print off the same housing I, I did, and then you, you got a switch right there to turn it on and off. Cool. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to get, I got, uh, I got some push button switches that are momentary. Um, mo it's not the right word for it. Push on, push off buttons. And I'll make one for, for both of my tanks that just kind of sucks in the air and, and blows it into the top of the tank. And that, that should be enough to keep things cool. And since it's not, since it's fitting into the hole and attaching to the side of the tank, I'll still be able to just take the lid completely off and it will just stay right there. But that's that's today's project actually. But as far as printing goes, uh, like I said, my my dryer over this weekend got a flat tire, and so I had it completely torn apart, waiting for parts to arrive. And since I use the top of my washer and dryers where I keep my printer, my printer's been out of commission. I did learn something though when I was putting it all back together last night. If everything is unplugged on your printer and you move the carriage uh, back and forth, uh, the printer will turn on. <laughs> It'll yeah. generate enough electricity to uh, power on the printer. That was a, a bit of a surprise, or more or less the driver of the stepper motor converting it into DC and feeding the main board. That, that was kind of the surprise I wasn't expecting. So I think that all goes back around to why Chris says it's a bad idea to move your carriage and bed by hand back and forth. And I will take that information and continue to do it my way, like normal, and just probably not do it as fast. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, if your main board hasn't blown up by now, it can't be that bad a thing. Uh, how many main boards have you replaced there, Andy? Only one, and it was totally my fault. I, I had a... Uh, what's it called? Uh, a heat sink come off one of the drivers, and I tried to put it on back on while the board was still running 
and powered on and who know that heat sinks conduct electricity and I touched pins. So it, it so wasn't the main it was board one blowing of up kind of was unrelated to this particular um, <laughs> fast, th this particular phenomenon. Yeah. Phenomenon. Yeah, to totally different. Phenomenon. Situation. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Phenomenon. <laughs> and that's enough of that. <laughs> Our listeners are going to hate us. We, we just lost every listener that we had. Now, granted, it was only 22 of them, but we just lost everybody. <laughs> oh, At least it wasn't a Rickroll. Rickroll. I'm afraid to ask. I'm sure I would recognize it once. You know it was the song described. by Rick, Rick yeah. Astley? You've never been Rickrolled? You've been on the internet and haven't been Rickrolled? I may have. I, I just don't identify it right now. And, I guarantee and, you have. You just probably don't have the name Rickrolled attached to it. Yeah, you'd recognize it. Yeah. Never going to give you up. And there he goes. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. Now they, now our <laughs> listeners have a different song stuck in their head. Any of them that we didn't lose from the Benemina. <laughs> nope, they're wrinkling us. We're done. Yep, we're down to zero. Hey, you know what? If we're going to start over, we might as well do it in the first year we've been recording. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I that's do the, have one that's the barrier to entry right there. If you can make it past episode 35, everything's <laughs> going to be smooth from there. <laughs> yeah, like we're going to get it together after this. <laughs> Fair point. I, I do have one question <laughs> to pick your guys' brains at, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Um, Are you sure you I use a, a swamp cooler because we're up here in Utah. So, swamp coolers, water coolers work really, really well. And we Until you one. get to too hot, but that's a whole nother point. You know, anyway. there's like there's like a week out of the entire year in which the humidity does seem to get too much, and then we end up having that one couple of days that it's too hot in the house. But the fact that I don't have a high electrical bill for the rest of the year kind of makes it worth it. And I sure. think if we ever did put a central air into the home, which I would love to have the option of. That way we could use it during that time, but all the rest of the time still use the uh, the water cooler. Another great thing, too, is the water cooler uh, keeps the uh, air in the home completely circulated. So I don't have to, you know, we don't run the air filters and things like that in the house. There's no smell in the house or anything like that. And every time I cook and burn crap, which is a pretty regular basis, it drives out the smoke very quickly. So <laughs> there's a lot of benefits to a water cooler. But one of the things that I had recently replaced my water cooler a couple of years ago and trying to make it work better uh, for a lot longer period of time, one of the things I learned is to stop the buildup of, um, uh, I almost want to say heavy metals, but that's not the right term, a oh, buildup oh, of minerals, build minerals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, to, is to, I mean, you, you put water into it. And then you evaporate just the water and you just keep on condensing the minerals in the water. So it's good to vent them out. And so a couple years ago, I took and um, on the, the pump itself, I ran a quarter inch line out of the water cooler down the leg, did it all proper so it looks nice, buried it underground over to my sprinkler box because I put a ground drain, a gravel ground drain in my sprinkler box. And that would be a good place to to drain the the water into. 
Um, now that that eight that quarter inch line, that's a lot of water can come out of that quarter inch line. Too much. It'd be a waste of water if you imagine it just peeing out the entire time the pump's running. That's too much okay. of a change. I want a drip. You know, get a good drip. And so, whenever I've changed the flap on the toilet, you always have pieces left over from the kit. And one of the pieces is the 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 piece to be able to control the flow that goes into the tank that you put oh, over. The, oh, the flow valve. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had a spare one of those. You mean so it's I got a name? Um, yes. <laughs> so I took that off and I put it on this quarter inch pipe so I can pinch the pipe down with it so I can get just a drip. But I'm constantly running into a situation where it gets clogged up with whatever. And, it, and you go out, you readjust it just a little bit and it starts flowing again. And then a week later you go back to it is clogged up again and it just seems like just adjusting it and adjusting it back does does whatever so i was thinking about putting a nozzle on the pipe instead of using this attachment to lower the flow and i was picking your guys's brain because if i just put a a reducer on it to whatever size would give me a pretty decent drip that i want do you think that would function and not get clogged up or do you have any other ideas on ways to not so, let it get clogged up um i think it would still get clogged up but I think if you if you put um, a, a, a nipple uh, uh, towards the um, uh, air conditioner side, if you put a nipple on there for uh, an air compressor. Thanks for uh -huh. that, Chris. This episode just became explicit. I'm talking about connector nipples, uh, dude. <laughs> 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 okay, so um, anyway, so you put a connector, an air hose connector on right there uh, you can just uh hook up your uh just hook up your air hose and blow it out just a little bit kind of like you do your sprinklers at the end of the year oh well just opening up the pipe for a second and closing it down does it but that means pulling up the sprinkler box and doing stuff like that with it too that's a little bit of work um other things that i've thought about is not using the pump in the water cooler and just making a controller that every time maybe once an hour or something, I can use a peristatic pump to pump out a certain amount of water out of it at full volume. That way I don't have to worry about clogs and peristatic pumps don't really get clogged up. So, and, and they're really so, easy to control their flow. So, so something so it like only that. Turns, so it only turns on while you've got the uh, air, con air conditioner running, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now, and there are times where we will run it 24 seven with the pump on. So having it run and draining 24-7, that's quite a bit of water loss. And that uses culinary water to, to supply it. So I'm trying to get away of using a microcontroller and doing weird things to make it work the, exactly the way I want. Because, I mean, I could put a, a solenoid valve on it and have it use, like even use the normal pump and just purge at full volume for you know, one minute every couple of hours or something like that. And that would do the same trick too, but that's kind of complicating things at that point. And so I was Andy, just thinking of a simple solution. Th there is a simple solution that doesn't involve any of this. Um, Does it involve me <clears throat> having to do something? Cause I want to also offload my responsibility. So anybody who has operated a Marine, uh, anything, has uh -huh. encountered these little plates that actually are designed to attract minerals in the water. So okay. if you, 
Oh, an anode. Uh, yeah, yeah, are you talking so, about a, a cathode on a ship? No, no, no. They're actual little metal plates. There's no power going through them, none of that stuff. But what they do is they attract all of the loose minerals in the water, and then you have to change out the plate like every two or three years. It's the same yeah, thing that, as that's the a, anode in your... That's uh, an anode. Yeah. In your water heater. Yeah. I run one of those. So They're for corrosion purposes, but they don't really build up. They more or less, well, they, they corrode stuff to them. But yeah, things like calcium build up and hard water are the real culprits. And those won't be attracted by the anode cathode system. The, yeah, the only other thing you could do is maybe run it through, a, um, if you're avoiding lime buildup, the only other thing I can think of would be to put like a, a, a filter, like a water I got filter. one of those too. Yep, yeah, I got one of those too. But we you know when you pump hundreds of gallons over the course of a year into it, and then condense it down to you know the last five gallons of water that's in the bottom, you're you're gonna get buildup and venting yeah. it off is seems to be a, an easy solution. I just want a way to stop clogging it up and having to babysit it. It's like part of my mowing routine once a week is going and making sure I've got flow out of that little valve. It's just something it feels like I shouldn't have to be doing. And I don't want overcomplicating it by using a microcontroller and doing extra things to get it to work exactly how I want. You know, I'd, it was nice just having a drain hose attached to it. And if I can get a drip that worked all the time, that would be great. And I know there's a way to print my way out of this. I just don't know how. Anyway, that was my thoughts. I'm going to have to do some research because I think the maybe anode just... is not what was coming to mind. Anyway, so Kevin, have yes. you worked on anything this week? I have. Um, so I printed the other half of the uh, the card tray for the Nightmare Chess set, and uh, <clears throat> I didn't get around to printing any more of the chess pieces. But the uh, the king and queen, or what at least what I'm planning on using as the king and queen, worked out beautifully. Um, but another what else I did was uh, I last week I was talking about the need to replace my headset. Uh, because one of my kids had uh, gotten careless with it and tugged on some things and uh, damaged the microphone line, um, which was causing me to be really quiet on the podcast. And so I replaced that, and then Frank supplied me with a the STLs for a uh, clamp-on headset uh, holder. So I printed the uh, the clamp part of that with the FDM printer and I chose to go with the resin printer for the screw part of it and uh, I need to clean out the the bore of the uh, the clamp because I didn't I thought I could get away with not using supports and it mostly worked but there's some uh, um, dangly bits that uh, <laughs> that probably wouldn't have been there in the in the threads if I had used supports. So that was a lesson learned. So I just need to clean those up and it should work just fine. And then I also printed a decorative plate stand for the wife. We went on a cruise to the Caribbean last summer and we got a, a plate that is painted with Aruba on it. And, uh, or well, the plate itself is just a beach with a tree on it and you can see the ocean and stuff. And it says Aruba on the plate. Uh, and I, so I printed that on the FDM printer using the uh, blue and green bicolored silk filament, and it, it 
looked pretty nice. I, I was planning on designing the plate holder myself and then realized I was out of my depth with that one. And uh, so I just went on Thingiverse and found a different one and printed that and it, and it worked just fine. And you've actually been talking about that for again. a little while. So, yeah. Um, so none of the other ideas, I guess, came to fruition then? For you, You've been talking about the plate holder for a while. Oh, so. right. Yeah, so okay. I, I, I decided, you know, I was... I, I couldn't quite figure it out. I'm too new at CAD software, so I just went on Thinkiverse and found one that looked nice, and I printed that. Okay, cool. Yep. Thingiverse is very helpful. Same with Colts 3D. They got lots of stuff, too. Yeah. That's uh, actually why I use the Google, because even sites that I haven't heard of yet end up in the, the uh, results if I'm looking for something specific. Nice. What's your search term that you usually use to make Google dance the way you like it? Um, I'll usually just the same way I do with code. Like with code, I'll uh, start with the language is the very beginning of my search. It doesn't really matter. Google doesn't care. But for me, I start with the language and then I start with an approximation of what I'm looking for and then I refine from there. However, I have recently gotten into doing Boolean searches on websites. Okay. And um, with Google and uh, Bing and all that, if you want to do a Boolean search, you do the word site with a colon okay. and then the URL, and it will only search that site for um, information, and it'll crawl through everything for you. And that's been very useful when I've uh, used it. Nice. Nice. You just and it allows you to do and or... Uh, query stuff with it too so that makes sense cool and it uses the existing search engine properties to uh um what's the word i'm looking for to, to generalize the words that you're searching for and it'll bring up lower probability solutions as okay. re as returns on your query for number three four or five whatever just in case you get close so yeah, it's that been fun. Sense. Yeah. You got me curious on something. You're just talking about Google and searching, and something popped into my head that is almost unrelated, but I'm checking it anyway. That can never Jet, stopped us before. Can Jet GPT write G code to, uh, for a 3D printer to print a specific type of model? I just asked. We'll see in a moment. <laughs> 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 well, I, I know that being image creator has been. Uh, kind of interesting for the odd thing. I think that even Bing has done some uh, 3D drawings. I haven't used it for that, but I think it probably could do. Um, yeah. I would be surprised if ChatGPT didn't have... I mean, it has access to everything. Is it still on the on 4.5? Is it still on the two-year-old data set that 3 was? Or... At the moment, the only one that I've actually like purchased normal access to is ChatGPT four okay. and two. So those are the only ones I play with normally. Yeah, but here. Th three was limited to two year old data, right? So is four on modern data? Oh, I'm not exactly certain where ChatGPT lies in its current form. Okay, it, it, what they have in production at the moment, and it turns out no, at least ChatGPT four 
refuses to write G-code, it says that the text output would be too small to create a, G a 3D model. 3D model requires um, more space than the text-based limitations allow. Because so it's almost like it says sense. that it can, but it can't. Is kind of what I get from this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I could I, tell you, but it would take too long to tell you. So I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> we got to figure even a, a simple, say, circle. I say simple. That's probably one of the more complex things for it to do. Would oh, yeah. take what, 300 lines of G code just to do the circle. Yeah. So if it's not, I guess if you were to ask it to give you the code in like a condensed form, like you can do a JavaScript or, you know, other languages like that, where it's condensed down to one line of code mm -hmm. and separated by the, the semicolons and uh, angle curly brackets and all that, then it could do it. But then you would have to prettify the code after that. Yeah. Possible. Oh, it's kind of that chat GPT's neat stuff. Uh, I'll tell you that. That's just, you know, I, I a lot of people use it for coding. And mm -hmm. even though that I code in a very rudimentary language natively on a normal basis, it will still give me code related to that. And I think that's pretty dang cool. And about a quarter of the time, it works without having to change anything, <laughs> which is kind of neat. I, uh, well, you know this. I don't know if it's anybody else has been mindful of it, but uh, our spreadsheet where we prioritize what our next episode is going to be. I yeah. was working on a script for it for a couple of months, you know, just picking at it. 90% of it I actually wrote in the first day I had the, the spreadsheet and I just picked at it since then. Anyway, yeah. Um, one of the reasons or one of the things I was running into that it wasn't working, I decided to go to chat GPT for and it explained it in two seconds what I was doing wrong. And now it's for lack no of a kidding. better word, it's in, it's in production. So that's cool. Um, and that's why the macro to archive our subjects works the way it does is because that one little thing got fixed. Nice. So. Nice. And people are worried about people using ChatGPT to do coding for them directly. And I think you actually have to know, be a little bit more savvy to be able to use ChatGPT code in well, a project than <laughs> if you were to just write it all yourself. So I actually got in an argument with ChatGPT <laughs> as we were solving <laughs> it. <laughs> that shouldn't work. Uh, the, the, the plus equals operator should be just fine. Not the yeah. whatever my variable plus one. No, no, yeah. that's what it was. I was trying to do plus plus instead of the variable plus one. Okay. And uh, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Why would that work that way? And so it was this kind of ongoing conversation with why my, my, my code apparently was just too efficient. And the processing of the... Uh, um, the data mm -hmm. was faster than the recognition of what the data was, and it was okay. getting confused. Okay. So I had to go with a less efficient process so that it could properly do it. <laughs> and you were talking about this, too. That's why stepping through it worked fine, but then mm -hmm. when you ran it straight through, it would not work. That's frustrating right. to deal with those kind of problems. Because when I was, <laughs> when I was debugging, it was 
thinking about everything and going slower, but when it was <laughs> just <Yeah>. running, <laughs> like, oh. Thank you, GPT, for being able to write, to take the code we've written and make it less efficient so it functions. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's why software engineers hate their jobs sometimes, actually. (laughs) I wrote this wonderful code. It's beautiful, and it does the thing. Well, it's supposed to do the thing. I don't know why it's not doing the thing. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. That is insane how how some of the... (laughs) Some of the things people have figured out how to code. There was one that was in a game back in the day. I don't remember what the entire thing was. It was like they were taking, you know, because back in the day when we would write games, you really had to use every little bit of tricks you knew to get it to function the way it does. Like, it needed to be stupid light. Yeah. Yeah. Like work. you look at, you look at like old Nintendo games and things like that. It is amazing <laughs> that they made it function as well as it did with what they had available. But there was right. a situation like that. And, and there's a lot more to the story and a lot more I'm missing. It's got a whole name to it, but somebody was able to pull out. I think it, it was in one of the first person shooters that was really popular and it works so well. I think it was quake actually that they, they did a math routine that involved changing a variable type to a variable type that didn't work with the original data, mm-hmm. but then they could account. But by doing that, that the way the computer handled moving data that didn't belong in one variable type to another variable type would do the process or part of the process that he needed so efficiently. I don't know. That's a whole neat thing. I think it was Quake that they did it for. And it's just some of the neat tricks they've come up with to make computers dance the way they want them to in, in total ways that they're just not designed to do. It's just awesome when you see stuff like that. Well, sorry. And there's really so much about, especially the early games that I've found fascinating, like uh, the occurrence of the game becoming more difficult as you play it was yeah. actually an accident. I, I've heard and, something about that. And it's because um, I can't remember the name of the game now. It's the Space one where you're, invaders. huh? Yeah, Space, Space invaders. invaders. Where the oh, whole yeah. game was programmed and it had to process the whole line coming at you at once. But after you got past the stuff, it didn't need to worry about it anymore. And so it let it go. And because it was processing all of that at the same time, it was going slower. But as you got closer to the end, it only had to process what was ahead of you and what was on the screen. So it was faster and it was more complex and um, harder to play. You should have shot where I was going, not where I was at. (laughs) Yeah. So so it it just kind of naturally became a part of every game after that. Yeah. That makes sense. So I looked it up real quick while you, while you were talking. It was in Quake, and it was the inverse square root algorithm that somebody came up with. And, and it wasn't changing variables. It was using a bit shift to, uh, to, to do the math in a very, very weird way that was okay. super, super, super efficient and allowed them to, uh, to process to, to do this. I think it had to do with the rendering of something, if I remember right. The rendering of the images themselves, okay, something like that. Either way, it, it was it was just stupid efficient compared to doing it the proper way. And it's just that was the one of the last times 
in newer systems when I saw developments of people using weird ways to make, you know, super efficient code. I don't know. It's the computer equivalent of putting compressed air in your intake. <laughs> well, uh, just like Frank was talking about a couple podcasts ago, when we came up with that little idea of let's see who can, you know, uh, find the um, all of the primes from one to an absurd number with, you know, who could do that the fastest. And it wasn't, it had nothing to do with coming up with the code to figure out all the primes. That was the easy part. The right. competition was tweaking the hell out of it to see to make it go the fastest. fastest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, can I add a function in the middle that will make this process quicker? Or can I yeah. remove this part of this function? Well, okay. Your spaghetti code doesn't have separate functions, <laughs> but y you get the point that I'm trying to make. I was using different processes altogether to multitask. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I was using more modern coding practices, which is distributing each individual process itself to its own function. But yeah, yeah. modularizing yeah, we, my code. The neat part, we both went totally different directions with the problem, using totally different languages. And it was still like a neck and neck oh, yeah. thing with who was getting, I don't even remember and, who and won in the end. But we got to fun. the point where we realized that um, my machine could go, no, it was your machine. Your machine could do higher numbers Okay. because what we were effectively doing was just filling up our RAM with all these stored values. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, it was less a challenge of, who could do a higher number because that's how it actually started was who could find higher primes quicker okay. to who could do it faster because we reached that limit. And I think that once we started tweaking it for speed, we, we at some point we're like, now we need to set this code up to run on both of our machines and take an average because my machine is going to act different from yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. seeing, seeing people do that anymore, and don't, don't get me wrong, if we probably looked up routines specifically designed to do what we were looking for, we would mm -hmm. have probably come up with something that was even more efficient than what we were coming up with. But I uh, don't know. Because, I mean, somebody out there is going to find a great way to do it, and that's going to become the norm. You know, that's going to be the code used for that particular routine. That's what you're going to find on GitHub, you know? Well, but, uh, and so the great thing about those coding challenges is you get thousands of devs who are doing the same basic thing yeah across you know um one of the the sites that i use for stuff like that you know they facilitate 30 40 languages and so you've got thousands of devs across 30 or 40 languages coming up with their own ideas and when i've gone through and looked through them Actually, it starts looking very similar for each language. Like this is because one of the requirements is that it has to be done within a certain amount of time. And there have been times where I'm paring down my code to make it so that it runs faster. Yeah. And by the time I get it pared down, it's like, oh, this other person, I wish I would have thought of that. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, there's only like two or three variations by the time you get to the the more complex things that it's trying to solve. Yeah. Because or within each language anyway, um, because it's just the best way to do it. 
Yeah. That, that, that's some neat stuff. That, that's some neat stuff. For sure. So, Frank, have you done anything with your 3D printer this week? I have. Um, I do want to make the point that uh, last week we were talking about tools and measurement tools specifically. And I never once said anything about feeler gauges for measuring stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's one of your major tools that you use for leveling your bed. And I I use it. And that was another point. We kind of talked about it when Kevin uh, leveled his bed instead of tramming. So I think that it's probably a good idea for us to use the term tramming from now on to distinguish it from leveling. And when you tram, you're setting the bed level to the rest of the machine instead of level to the ground. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Tramming Um, is just truing up a plane to another plane, right? Uh, I haven't looked up the definition. I just know that it's the appropriate term in the machining world. Okay. I, just call that, I just call that parallelism. <laughs> parallelism. Anyway. Some kind of um, weird religion that Chris is coming out with. <laughs> it's called a fine, a, a fine adjustment that ensures correct functionality, function or alignment. There we go. So basically yeah, you tram right. your... You you tram your wheels on your car when you get a little wobble at higher speeds, and you tram your 3D printer when you start digging into the plate. When you I guess you could to. also okay. call that an I guess you could also call that an alignment. <laughs> yeah, I bet there's a lot I, of words we can cram into that. But I like tramming. That's a good. I, I, I mean, like it's a good definition, and it's a machining definition, so it it fits. Oh, we're not confusing it with with uh, aligning our wheels or. And I did see Dragon's characters. (laughs) (laughs) I did see where um, there was somebody. I I don't think it was Kevin. I think that your tramming issue was something different. But I saw where somebody leveled their bed plate to the ground. (laughs) Got a spirit level out there and thought they were leveling it properly. (laughs) I, I watched a video about bed leveling and the guy... And that, that's where the concept of it's not actually leveling was introduced to me. And he, he said that he had watched somebody pull out a carpenter's level and put it on the bed to, to make sure that the bed itself was level. And he was like, that's not that hurts my, what you want because that yes, hurts my heart to watch your, that kind your of bed stuff. is level to the ground. Yes, but is it level to the nozzle? That's the important thing. And that's where the parallelism comes in as an important detail to tramming rather yeah. than leveling. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the plane across which your machine moves needs to be parallel to the bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the, that's really just where my research has gone. Um, about a week and a half ago, when I was having the issues with my nozzle killing itself, um, not killing itself, power cycling. Um, one of the things that I did to try to resolve it before I realized it was a temperature issue was I totally messed up all of my settings in Cura. <laughs> oh. And one of those settings had to do with under extrusion. So I've been fighting that ever since I got my uh, other issue resolved. It's okay, Frank. Lots of adult men have trouble with under extrusion. 
Have Have you thought? Oh my god! <laughs> hey, have you uh, Have you thought about starting over with a default Kira profile? I only say that I actually it kinda, all of my problems. <laughs> kind of did that in the process of messing with all my settings. So okay, okay. um, and that was before finding the problem with the the uh, heat block. So anyway, I, I've been trying to figure that out while I've been trying to print off a gift for my brother because his birthday is coming up uh, tomorrow. Actually, I should make sure to give him a call. Self to out. No, that word. Anyway, um, and then when I was in the pantry, my wife has a wire shelf that she had put up so we could have two layers of cans on that one shelf. And the shelves that were installed in the pantry are also wire. So I just originally had taken some cardboard strips to put under the legs to give them something to to hold, you know, hold them up on. on. And one of those shelves had fallen down. And I'm like, you know, this is a fix that worked for four years since we moved in. I now have a 3D printer. I'm going to print some feet that will not allow this to fall through anymore. Yeah. And that was interesting with under extrusion for the part. <laughs> um, but I did manage to get them both kind of worked out at the same time, which was nice. So I did the feet and I fixed my printer and I actually printed off. Um, my brother's a big fan of the uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil statues. Okay. And so I found some frogs that I could 3D print that have the uh the they're doing the actions for it. So Okay. I printed the that off. I still need to I think I'm going to put a little more work into it, maybe print them down, sand them smooth, make them look pretty and give him that for his birthday. Nice. That sounds like a good gift. Nice. Yeah. So you did manage to to fix the under extrusion problems with the printer? For the most part. There's still a few places that seem like they're under extruded, but it's not a whole like a whole half of a layer or something like that. And I've printed okay. a bunch of uh calibration blocks and benchies to get to where I am, and I just I don't know how to fit like it could still be an issue of the plastic itself at this point. Because everything else is so intermittent that I don't think it's the printer anymore. So, you know, okay. I did have a, yeah, I did have a, a roll of plastic do that to me over the, over the Christmas holiday. Like, and I knew it was just that particular roll because I'd use the, the same settings for an, another piece of plastic and everything printed fine. So I think it was that. I bought some cheap stuff and that happened to be some of the, some of the stuff you get when you go cheap. Yeah. Well, and I, I was, I am a little disappointed, I guess is the correct tense for that because this is the stuff that I absolutely loved like two months ago. And, um, maybe I just need to put it back in my dehydrator for a little while to, Oh, I was about to say, you know what you might could do is put it in, the dehydrator again to um i had a thought though um for rehydrating or for re um invigorating conditioning yeah reconditioning uh for reconditioning your plastic 
what if you had a little bowl of some sort of light light oil in there with it, like say WD forty or something? Do you think that would be helpful? I don't know. Hmm. You know what? A while back, a while back when I was fighting my wet noodle problems with um, putting TPU inside of a Bowden system. One mm. of the things that I wound up attempting is I made a little uh, a case, that uh, a clamshell case that would clip around the plastic. And I put a sponge on the inside there and soaked it with a little bit of cutting oil and, put, and then clamped it around the, the plastic before it went in, trying to make it slippery on the outsides of the plastic as it, as it went through the Bowden tube. And that caused a lot of problems with burning the oil off in the head itself that could have been the oil i was using yeah because cutting oil is quite a bit heavier than what i was thinking because like because because like you guys i don't know if you guys ever clean your dashboards and whatnot in your car but you know um i use armor all like to Mm -hmm. reinvigorate the plastic in your in your car and i'll use that on uh, various plastics through the house also to help reinvigorate them. So I was thinking maybe something like Armor All could help you recondition your plastic too. And it's not like putting it directly on your printer. On yeah, your printer, you're just using the, the vapor from it, right? Yeah, the vapor from it inside of the uh, um, the evaporator chamber. That's interesting. That's an idea. I hadn't thought I of that. Know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a neat one. I was thinking about I was thinking about doing something like that when I can't when I can buy a dehydrator for myself for my plastic I was going to have a little a little glass cup or something like that in the middle that you dump a little bit of Armor All or WD forty or something more lightweight like that into it. Yeah, I don't know that I like the thought of WD forty. I think it still might be too heavy, but like Air Tool oil, I think I'd be okay with. Yeah, yeah. or the Armor All. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I know Armor All is made specifically for reinvigorating plastic. Right. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting idea. Yeah, huh. I don't know. Well, um, so I haven't done anything besides those two little projects. Um, I say little. I spent many hours trying to figure out the, the under extrusion <laughs> issue. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's it. So nice. we did have a topic this week. We it's, did. Uh, Believe it or not. Well, I guess we could always put it off until next week. We've been doing this for a minute. Right. <laughs> or I 60. think this is a, the topic we got on hand is, isn't a super detailed one either. We just got to explain why uh, you don't dry your socks with your printer, I think. Well, well I mean, the, the okay. topic being... Did you have you used the printer for the purpose you bought it for? What you had in mind when you got it? Yeah, I mean, and the short answer for me there is yes, yes, I have. <laughs> and hell printed plastic with my printer, yes. <laughs> it helps that from my part, I didn't have, I don't know, a, a, a commercial specific idea for it. I just wanted to be able to make stuff, right? But, you know, some people buy it and they think, well, I'm going to use this in my carpentry shop or I'm going to replace all of the, the stuff in my house with plastic that I designed or whatever. So, yeah, I, I can see it being a valid question in that respect. I just I don't think that I had a specific purpose in mind 
for its use. How about you, Chris, Andy? Did you have a specific purpose that you bought your printer for? You know, I did. I kind of, I kind of envisioned it being used to like um, upgrade my my gaming experience. You know, because you guys know I, I'm collecting all the all the classic consoles, so I wanted to be able to make uh, accessories and upgrades and things like that. I mean, I initially the thing that made me want to buy the printer in the first place was that I'd bought a uh, a Raspberry Pi. And I realized all the fun things you can do with Raspberry Pis and printing different cases and th- things for them. Not um, the least of which is, you know, eating the pie because I like Raspberry Pi. <laughs> you should try Raspberry Pineapple Pie. That stuff is delicious. <laughs> I do tend more towards apple pie, honestly, <laughs> but raspberry is pretty good. Rhubarb you know is kind of tasty. You know, they made an orange pie. That doesn't yeah. sound like it would be very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it, it, it's um, no worse than orange cake. Unless you're into like that self-hurting thing, mm. the, then you could always like brush your teeth before eating the orange pie. I bet that would be <laughs> awful. <laughs> orange mint pie. There you go. <laughs> no, actually, uh, uh, adult uh, uh, adult sensory syndrome is a is a thing. You know where people go out of their way to you know feel and have like the most sensitive sensory sort of things they can they can get their hands on i get sensory overload when there's more than four people in the room so i'm okay (laughs) yeah well sensory overload overload doesn't mean doesn't necessarily correlate with sensory seeking because some sensory seeking people will still have sensory overload with other senses Hmm. so like yeah Anyway, anyway, whole different <laughs> topic. Um, but I've I've ended up using my printer That's for twice. More. I derailed Chris. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I ended up using my printer for more than I initially intended, which is not a bad thing. But um, I'm trying to think of like the most surprising thing I ended up using it for. I I guess like the most the more surprising thing was that I ended up using it for uh home improvements like i.e the the hairbrush holder and the cover plate you know things like that i didn't ever anticipate you know 3d printing a 3d printing a cover plate i mean (laughs) it just kind of just kind of came in um and uh again because of the podcast we've had other ideas where you can use your printer to uh rehydrate or i mean recondition try to recondition your plastic. You know, that's another use I hadn't envisioned for my printer. <laughs> um, there's printing toast. <laughs> Why does this feel like it suddenly turned into a uh, things not to do with your printer right. part two? Uh, oh. And Andy, <laughs> Andy touched on that and I just had to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, um, yeah, I've used it for Not for, that we ever more. really stick to a topic right. anyway. Well, and and I've also used my printers for more than I had initially uh, envisioned when I got them. Like, and I, I've made no secret my my whole goal was to print pieces for playing games, and yeah, I've I've done that. Like, mostly minifigures. That's why I went with resin initially. But then there's, um, it became clear that my resin printer doesn't isn't 
capable of printing large enough things for like some of the scenery or like the dice tower. So I needed to get the FDM for that purpose. And that's largely what I've been doing with the FDM printer is printing stuff for games. And I mean, there is the, the tube rack that I've designed and, and printed a couple of, but uh, so there, that's an example of stuff that I was like, Hey, I've, I've got this thing. Might as well. Another thing. I might as well use the one to make the other. And then there's that that decorative plate holder you were just talking about too. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna try to figure out a way to make to print one of those on the resin printer, but uh, no, because I got the FDM before that request came through. So yeah, I had the FDM, and then the request came through, and I was like, I could definitely do that with with my FDM printer. Yes. Nice. I I think back to why I even bought my printer. And I think it all started of not being able to construct the shed that I wanted to build. You know, because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know code very well, but I don't need to follow code with a shed. And so I remember looking around and finding some software that could help me design a wall and at least show me if I could just have a picture of what to do, how to lay out, you know, the two by fours and stuff like that, then I could accomplish something. And uh, that led me to learning SolidWorks for that method. And then that occurred to me that like, I, I could build not just these super square shapes of wood, I could build intricate things and how fun it would be to get into CNC machining. What if I could take out of the printer and make something I wanted to, you know, to, to, to build with it. And so that led me into looking into CNC stuff for a little bit. I didn't get too far until I ran into 3D printers. And I'll tell you what, when I got my 3D printer, from what I envisioned it would be, which is always going to be better than what you actually think it, you know, it would be. Everything I sure. thought I was going to be able to do with the 3D printer, building replacement stuff for stuff around the home, you know, and just being able to have the option to, to make a model and make that model real and have that model be whatever you need it to be. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that's been awesome, it is done exactly what I envisioned would be awesome if it could do. And that's the amazing part because that never seems to happen. 3D printers have just been absolutely ridiculous how capable they are. And the the negatives, the things that you can't really do with them, that list seems to have been pretty small. Like, okay, when I go to design something, I have to design with stuff in mind. Like if I'm going to make some kind of bracket I need to think about what forces are going to be on that bracket and make sure that core aligns well with my layer line direction and things like that. There's little mm-hmm. things like that that you got to consider, but all of those are so little compared to it being able to so closely still accomplish the taking it out of your head into a model into the real world and having it be a one for one thing pretty close to it. And, and that just blows my mind that it's, it's capable of doing that. I mean, right now I'm, I'm looking into getting an SLA printer because uh, Kev has showed me that he can do watertight things and stuff like that that I, that I actually can't accomplish with the printer right now. And sure. I'm sure it's going to be the exact same thing. I'm going to be just as capable as I can with the FDM, except for scale. And you guys know I print small things anyway, so that might not necessarily be a problem. But I'll get my waterproofing option, which changes everything for me too. And that's going to be wonderful to have i'm looking forward to that and then even a little bit down the road here too i want to get into a small you know cheap three or five hundred dollar cnc machine uh that i can do aluminum with and that's going to open up another world that i bet will be similar to the experience with 3d printers 
3D printing is just, it, it, it is like, it, it reminds me back when I got my first welder. And I'm one of those idiots that have a welder that probably should not have a welder. And, um, <clears throat> and you mean just should the, not have a guy, this particular guy behind it? Yeah. But just the world that it opened up being able to, to do stuff like that with when it came to the welder. The printer is so much even more than that, where it's changed. It is 30% of all the tools I use in my home are now my 3D printer. And that's mm -hmm. a huge addition to your capabilities, you know? And, and, and the getting used to using CAD has, I mean, developing that skill to be able to use the 3D printer better has, has left me an entirely new skill with the CAD. And you guys have seen, like, it started with constructing you know like two by four level kind of stuff which quickly moved into other small stuff and then it has come back all the way around and you've seen my models of things that i've made that i've modeled you know in cad um just concepts for things like the slide i made out for my kids outside for my kids and things like that and just the world that that opened up through the printer using tools that you use on the printer so i'm definitely getting exactly what i dreamed of out of the printer and you never get what you dream out of something so <laughs> sounds like you still got more more than what you expected totally totally absolutely. It's, it's been wonderful absolutely wonderful i don't know yeah I, I i think that that's a good high note to leave this on does anyone have anything else to add i don't chris did we lose chris he's very still oh no he's there He's typing. He's, he's showing us with his hands. I was giving you static. I was giving you static. Ah. <laughs> he's, he's vegetating because his brain doesn't know how to follow you up there, Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, if, if you haven't got a 3D printer, you got to learn. You got you when you when you get a 3D printer, you got to get into CAD because that's what makes the the 3D printer something of just being able to print other people's models to being able to do whatever with it you want it to do. Always oh. get into yeah. So so CAD. you decided you needed to proselyte the uh the uh religion of CAD, huh? Well, yeah, I think that's that's what makes the printer such a valuable tool. You can only utilize 20% of the printer what you bought so it for using CAD. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Utilizing but, the uh, full extent of what the tool can do. That makes sense. Yeah, to me. yeah, that's that's true. You know, it's like it's like buying an air ratchet, but only using it to tighten things down. If you <laughs> if if you figure out CAD, you can learn how to loosen stuff up too. You know, yeah. <laughs> or carve it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess now's as good a time as any to call it. We'd like Sorry, to thank you. Call it ugly. <laughs> Sorry for calling you ugly, or thank you for calling me ugly. Why would I thank you for calling me ugly? <sighs> anyway, you said it, not me. <laughs> We'd like to thank everyone for listening to the very end. The very, very, very end. And yeah. And if you like what you hear, please give us all the stars and subscribe. We are available through a wide variety of podcast vendors, and so are easy to share. If you have any feedback or if you have content requests, please let us know. You can find us in our Facebook group, Amateur 3D Pod, or you can email us at panelists at amateur3dpod.com. 
For individual feedback, you can email us at Franklin, Kevin, Andy, or Chris at Amateur3dpod.com. And that's Kevin, not Kevy, because my brain and my mouth don't always agree with each other. We got a new nickname. <laughs> no, we don't. No. No, we don't. <laughs> the music in this episode was written by Kevin Buckner. And OpenAI's Whisper completed the heavy lifting for the transcripts, which you can find linked in the description. Our panelists are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Kevin Buckner, Chris Weber, and Andy Cottom. Until next time, we're going offline. Keep your FEP tight. Andy said duty cycle. (laughs) Chad can be scary. (laughs) Duty cycle. Chad can be scary with a question mark. Yeah, I don't know. I, I had something there till Chris said, ow! Duty cycle. <laughs> Andy just decided to flash himself. That caused a pain response. That was weird. It was bright, but I wasn't not, expecting that. That wasn't a phone, was it? It was a, no, one it was of a your LED flashlight? Torch. Yeah, it was one of the power, powerful ones, too. I didn't realize you were English, Andy. Torch. Uh, oh. He flashbanged us. Mm. Yeah. You know I don't vocabulary well. Where he going? Hi, Craig. Hey, Craig. Oswan Schmitten, Craig. Yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's looking like, that doesn't even mean anything. And no, it doesn't. <laughs> Chris, nothing that you say means anything most of the time. <laughs> even if it's English. <laughs> I hadn't occurred it's, well it's okay it, I speak engineer that's how this works it, it hadn't occurred to me how little the Chris says is even English usually I can look at people and go you used a bunch of words I understand I just don't recognize them in that configuration right. but with Chris they're not even words <laughs> oh, that, that just changed my whole world <laughs> I, I blew right. your old gadunkle there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've given Frank fodder for the after closing segment. <laughs> you need to put that. Up, you need to put that clip first. Uh, That's great. Frank is broken. <laughs> I don't know. I was if broken before. Give him, before give him a minute to reboot, just... and he'll get the he'll get the podcast going. My brother's got the power button tattooed behind his ear, and I I can't identify how often I envy having an actual specified power button, whether it works or not, you know. Anyway.